morning. And I do want to just encourage you, get involved in the Fresh Start classes. Get involved and equipped. If you haven't been baptized, get baptized. Just get signed up. Come on, let's grow in our relationship with Jesus. Okay, we're going to be turning over to, uh, let's see, where are we going today? We're going to Luke 15. And uh, as we do that, I first want, I have a few tickets I'd like to give away to uh, the Lego movie that's going to take place over at 7th Street Theater. And I think I have four tickets for people who have kids. So if you'd like to take your kids to the Lego movie, there's Isaac. Yeah, come on up. Isaac. There you go. There's two for you. Who else wants them? Anybody else want two tickets to the Lego movie? Right here. Oh, sorry. She got you, you go to youth tonight, you might get them. They got more to give away at youth tonight. There you go. All right. I love it. I love this church. It's so fun. I love what we do here. Let's lift up our Bibles, smartphones, iPads, whatever you have your Bible on, and let's make our prayer declaration together. Say this with me. This is my Bible. God's holy word. This book is alive, and it's powerful. I read other books, but this is the only book that reads me. There are many opinions, but this is the only opinion that counts. Today, I declare by faith, I can do all it says I can do. I can be all it says I can be. And I can have all it says I can have. Today, I ask the Lord Jesus, the living word, to take his written word and personalize it for my life so I can leave here changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, I like it. Today, I want to talk to you about Parenting and Relationships. We're in a series called 2020 Vision for Marriage, Family, and Relationships. And I want to talk to you about parenting. And let me just say this. Some of you might turn off already and go, I don't need anything on parenting. Let me just tell you something right now. You're a spiritual kid. God's your father. You can learn from this, all right? So uh, as, as we're talking about this, Jesus told 39 parables in his lifetime. And one of my favorites is the prodigal son. Uh, This parable has to do with a father's parenting, but it can relate to any parent and any child. And the principles I'm going to give you uh, today will also apply in friendship uh, relationships as well. So let's start reading in Luke 15, beginning in verse 11. It says this, Jesus continued, uh, continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, Lois and I have been married for almost 45 years, and uh, we are complete opposites. And uh, for us to be married is an absolute miracle. Still married is a miracle, all right? Now, it's only by God's grace that together, we were able to raise two daughters, and they married two great guys, which are now our sons-in-law. Together, they have given us seven granddaughters and one grandson, which we try to spoil as often as we can. It's much more fun being a grandparent. That's all I can say. In fact, our oldest granddaughter graduates from high school this year. She will be here in a few weeks to go to the Hoquim 
high school prom with a boy she got to know as a little girl uh, going to McDermott uh, grade school and all that. And uh, she tells me they are just good friends, which I said, I hope that's all it is. All right. So uh, now let me just say, it's fun to watch our kids raise their girls and see how they navigate through the attraction stage towards the opposite sex. And I'm having so much fun with this time of their lives that their pair time has increased. It's a wonderful season. Now, what I want to share with you is that Lois and I tried to parent the best that we could and the best we knew how. We made a lot of mistakes, but somehow through all of our mistakes and through their mistakes, our kids are still serving God today. Uh, our granddaughters are serving God today as well. And I, I share scripture with one of my granddaughters through my YouVersion app uh, every week. It's a, it's a great season to be in. Now, I'm going to give you three key words this morning that I think we practice and hope these keys will help you today in your parenting relationships uh, and in your friendships. So three key words. The first one you can write down is this, attention. Now in this story, we notice something is missing. Jesus doesn't tell us the background, but he does tell us the man had two sons named Pinky and Doug the Stud. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we also know the younger son came to the father and said, give me. Now, I don't know about you, but when a kid says to me, give me, uh, there seems to be an attitude in this boy that isn't quite right. So the father decides to give him his share of the inheritance. I think it wasn't instantly. I think it was over some time uh, trying to reason with him. But eventually, uh, the son had made up his mind. Uh, there was a stubbornness in him. And so he finally gives in to his demands, and he proceeds to go out. The, the boy does. He proceeds to go out and waste it on wild parties and immoral living. So this decision leads me to all kinds of questions as I read the story. Here's the first one that I have. You might have others. But why did the younger son want to leave? We don't really know, except he had an attitude that wasn't seem to get, seeming to get better over time. Some of you have probably had kids like that, and maybe you were one of those kind of kids, all right? Uh, the second question I have is, what was his relationship like uh, with his father? Uh, you never really know, looking from the outside in, if a child feels accepted, affirmed, loved, welcomed, or, or whether they feel rejected, unloved, and, and unwanted. But I kind of get the feeling uh, that, that the father really loved this son. And uh, he, he, he kind of, he leaves with, with his inheritance. He finally gets it, thinking he can do a better job with his life than his father was doing with his life at the present time. Which brings me to my third question. How much attention did he receive from his father? Now, one thing I've learned about kids is this. You have to give them attention. And by the way, it's not just kids. If you want good relationships, you have to give people attention. Uh, I know the first thing you're thinking is, I give them all the attention they need. I live with them. I see them every day. Well, sometimes you can see somebody every day, but it's like two ships passing each other in the night. And, and I get that because we're, we're all busy people. But when we, were raising, uh, when we were raising our daughters, 
Lois and I were very busy. Lois worked uh, for Senator Hargrove for 23 years. In the winter months, she went to work, uh, probably left around 6.30, 7 o'clock every morning, uh, and then she would get up there and work from 8 in the morning till 6 p.m. by the time when she got home, which I had dinner waiting for her and everything. <laughs> Why do you guys all shake your head at that? <laughs> anyway, okay, well, I can't prove it now. It's too late, but those years are gone. Anyway, the other month, she had an office over in Hoquim and worked from 8 to 4. And I was a bread truck driver for the first three years uh, of our kids' lives, maybe a little longer than that. And then uh, I would get up at 4 or 5 in the morning and get to work and, and uh, get out there in the bread truck. And then I became a Frito-Lay truck driver for a couple of years and then had a carpet cabinet interior decorating store until the girls were in junior high. We were busy, but definitely were involved in their lives. I heard, uh, I heard this once, and I don't know where I got it, but years ago I heard that uh, you should spend at least 15 minutes a day in each of your children's lives, and it will let them know you care, and, and I think we did that most days. So we had these two girls. That means two girls, two kids, a half hour each day, 15 minutes for each kid that we are able to spend time uh, with them. As our girls got older, we would, uh, the reason it worked so well is we would leave our bedroom door open until they were in bed. And often they would come in, especially Jill, and sit on our bed and uh, she would talk about her day. We would ask questions like, how was your day? What was it like at school? And uh, it would always usually take more than 15 minutes for Jill to share her day. And uh, we'd ask what's going on with your friends, and she would go on about that. And some nights we had lots of laughter, and sometimes we had lots of tears. But I often found myself by that night falling asleep because I got up pretty early in the morning. But Lois was always engaged in the girls' conversations. I remember Jill waking me up one day, Dad, you're falling asleep on me. I'm trying not to, Jill been a while here. All right. And, and, and like I say, Lois was engaged almost all the time. I remember a story about a kid who uh, couldn't get his dad's attention for anything. He, when he got home, his dad would sit down, grab the dinner or grab the newspaper and, and have it up at the dinner table so there would be this wall of paper up. So one day the little boy walked over to his dad, pulled down the newspaper, opened his hand and there was a quarter in it. And he said, Dad, is this enough money to buy an hour of your time? Yeah, I knew you ladies would say that. And us guys are going, oh, man. So here, here's the point, though. Sons and daughters and even some of our spouses and friends are desperately looking for your attention. A well-adjusted child receives attention from, uh, from the right people that, that God has put in their lives. If you don't give it to them, they will find it from someone or something. So attention means quality time. And here's another word you can write down uh, about uh, uh, quality time or attention, and that's participation. Now, we tried to attend all of our kids' sporting events. Jill played soccer, which I didn't like, still don't like. Uh, just I, I know that it's a big thing now. 
but I just can't stand a game ending in a tie. It's just, there's something wrong with that, you know? Anyway, she loved to beat the living snot out of me with soccer because I am just clumsy with my feet, and she's very competitive, and she just loved beating me. Jill was so competitive, we, uh, we would go on these father-daughter dates, and uh, one time we went down the Long Beach, and uh, we uh, went go-karting. And uh, I got stalled behind someone after knocking Jill into the, t- into the tires a couple times. And uh, I'm stalled behind this, this car, and I can't move. And I look, and Jill has her teeth grit. And she sees me sitting there sideways. And she's just got this look in her eyes. Her teeth are grit. And I'm going, no, no. And she comes at me and just bashes into the side of me. I got out of that cart, bleeding and limping. And she was laughing her head off. She's sick. She was a sick, sick person. I don't know where she... I've seen that same look in her mother's eye a few times, too. (laughs) Now, Jamie loved tennis. I I don't love tennis either. But I would play it with her until she got too good and started beating the tar out of me. So now I play pickleball. Pickleball with the girls. I can hold my own as long as I have a partner, all right? Anyway, we, we have some good times. And I'm just glad they didn't get into paintball or airsoft or they would have shot my eye out, I'm telling you. I did teach them about firecrackers, so you need to, every, well, not every, but, but in my family, you needed to know about explosives, because the 4th of July, my grandparents were married on the 4th of July, and so the 4th of July was a big deal at the Cotton family, since our grandparents were married on the 4th, and we would have lots of firecrackers and things like that. You had to learn how to handle fireworks and explosives to fend for yourself, Now, so I taught the girls how to do that, and it was crazy fun for those of us who grew up that way. For Lois, (laughs) it was not that fun, and it was not a happy day. Uh, She she was not happy with my coaching uh, or participation in this area. But I can tell you this. You talk to the girls today, they light up when you mention the fourth, and we made some great memories. Didn't we, Lois? Yes. Okay. So uh, we, we were also uh, their teen Sunday school teachers, volunteer youth pastors until junior high. Then I became their lead pastor. Lois stayed on as their, their youth pastor, and uh, they met in our home every Monday night. Oftentimes, we'd have over 100 kids there. And I also became their debate coach at high school. Uh, poor girls, they couldn't shake us no matter how hard they tried. <laughs> And, and it wasn't that we planned it that way. It's just the way God planned it uh, and how it worked out. And they were actually very gracious to us uh, being part of their lives in so many ways. Now, when it comes to attention, the next thing you need to write down is this. Monitor their relationships. You need to know who your kids are hanging with and know the effect those kids are having on them. Uh, There were times when we had to tell our girls they couldn't stay at someone's house because uh, uh, they were watching movies that we didn't approve of. And we remember one of our daughters, uh, I think it was Jill at the time, went to stay overnight at a person's house where there was a lot of swearing 
and uh, sex in the movie. And so we told Jill, in this case, if she wanted the girl to be her friend, she could stay at our home, but you weren't going to stay there anymore. Now, you can think that I'm a hard nose. You can say, oh, what about that person? I'm telling you, my kids were more important than somebody else's approval. Come on. You need to monitor their relationships. So we, 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 we wanted to watch movies. We like movies. So we bought a curse-free box. It took the swear words out by silencing them and putting words in their place. When it would said, I'm going to kick your, the words would come up, I'm going to kick your toe. It worked really well until we heard Jamie tell Joe one day, if you keep that up, I'm going to kick your toe, and you know what that means. <laughs> so curse-free work to a point. <laughs> now, when it came to relationships with boys, let me just say this. Jamie was our toughest one in this area. She always had boys that were older than her that were interested in her romantically. I don't know why, because she always wore sweatpants. I think, I, I only remember seeing her in a dress twice, and one of those days was the day she got married. I, I don't know what, what it was, but anyway, there was a particular boy about five years older than her that just wanted to be a friend and needed family in his life and hang out. But I noticed he was getting really chummy with Jamie, and uh, she was not even quite 15 at the time when all this started. And I told this guy, I said, you're welcome to be in our home. You're welcome to be around our family. We want you here as long as your intentions with Jamie is just friends. His words to me were, I, I love the way these guys will talk to the, to the father. Mr. Cotton. Now that gets my attention. All right, you got that one right there, buddy. I just like Jamie as a friend and nothing more. I said, okay, but if it changes, you won't be hanging around here anymore. Well, as time progressed, I noticed they were getting friendlier and chummier, and I told Lois, we need to make a change with this guy coming around. His intentions are not just friendship. He's interested in her romantically. Lois didn't agree with me at first. He needs family. He's, he's, he's kind of alone. He, he needs us. We need to help him. We need to fix him. Listen to me. You don't fix anybody first except your kids. I know you, some of you don't like this, but I'm telling you, it's the truth. So we didn't agree at first, and uh, Jamie was definitely changing in her attitude towards us about him, and I knew we needed to make a change soon, and, 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 and I, I told us we're not this guy's savior. God, Jesus, is his savior. Well, Lois and I quickly got on the same page one night when when she went out to do something in the garage and she turned on the light and she noticed these two people smooching in the garage. She started flicking the light. <laughs> going on and up. Then she ran upstairs to the bedroom where I was at and she said, do you know what's going on? I, There's some serious smooching going on in the garage. And I said, well, what'd you expect? And then I, I, she said, well, I didn't think it was that serious. I said, I've been telling you, this guy is after Jamie. So Jamie, being at six, she was 16 at the time, by the way. She thought she was doing us a favor by waiting till she was 16. I, and by the way, I'm only telling you this because I called Jamie and asked for her permission. 
she gave me permission to tell that story with her 17-year-old daughter by her side. So there we are. So we, we tried to tell her. She, she felt like she was in love. How many remember you thought you were in love? Okay. So we told her she was in lust, and uh, they, they feel the same, but they're really not always God's first choice. So we tried making some changes, but she wanted nothing to do with it and announced to Lois and I on a Monday night she would be moving out and moving into this guy's parents' home. Lois and I went into some serious intercession. And then after a day or two, I went down to Jamie's bedroom and we had a little chat. Lois said, I don't know what to do with her. You need to take care of her. And, and Jamie was exasperating for, for Lois at times because she would, she would debate about everything. So I did, and this is what I told her. I went down and I said, Jamie, we didn't ask to be your parents. But God gave us to you as a gift. He also gave you to us as a gift. And we sometimes have to pinch ourselves at how blessed we are to have you as our daughter. But you need to understand something. Since we are a gift from God to your life, as God's, that makes us God's authority into your life. He gave you to us, and he gave us to you to help steward your purpose and your destiny. I know this is hard because you think you're in love, but one wrong choice in this area can change the course of your life forever. We believe this is a wrong choice. So here's what I, I want to purpose to you uh, or propose to you. Uh, I said, you love Jesus, and I know that. And I believe you love your mom and dad with all your heart. So we want to ask you to pray and ask God if he really wants this relationship in your life or if you should come under your parents' authority and stay home and give up this relationship. At the end of three days, if you still feel that you want to move out, then I will pack up your stuff with you. I will help put it in the car and I will take you over there and unpack your stuff with you. There's also one more condition. If you move out, you need to know this. You will always be my, my daughter. You will always be our daughter. But you're not moving back. You can, I don't know why I said this because I didn't mean it, but I said it. And I will always love you. Mom will always love you. But you can't move back home. This is a permanent decision. We are not your backup plan. So I hugged her, told her I loved her with tears in my eyes, and I walked out of the room. I went up and told Lois what I said. She said, you said what? <laughs> I can't believe, what if she moves out? What, what, we're going to lose her forever. So I said, we're going to have to wait. Trust God. See if she does love God. See if she's going to do what we asked her to do if she's going to come under God's authority because she loves the Lord. I'll tell you what she did on, a, on another point. Okay, so let's move on. How many want to know what she did? Okay, you have to wait. All right, here we go. So here's the last point to write down under attention. That's this. Prioritize, uh, prioritize family time. Now, I don't know if we were as intentional about it as I hoped we were, but we had a family night. It seemed like most Sunday nights and uh, maybe Friday nights as well. We had 
a lot of games that we played, and I tickled and wrestled with the, with the girls, and so did Lois. We watched a lot of family movies uh, with some good-tasting junk food like popcorn, chocolate, and some kind of soda. We played a lot of aggravation. How many have ever played aggravation? I can be very aggravating and aggravation. It was a very fun game. Anyway, uh, and then lots of card games like Uno and, and uh, our kids, as our kids got older, we taught them Pinochle and Cribbage and, and uh, they taught us a few card games like Rudge or Ticket to Ride, those kind of things. In fact, every year, uh, our girls will make a pilgrimage, we call it their annual pilgrimage back to, to the Northwest uh, for my birthday. They just, here's what they want to do. They just want to hang out, watch movies, play pinochle, and eat junk food. So we have a great time. We laugh a lot. We eat a lot. It's just fun to be with the four of us once a year as long as I pay for it. That's why they come out. I pay for it. It's the best birth, birthday present ever. Now, when our kids were little, we played a game almost each night. And that's where I would put them on my shoulders and... And then I would act like I forgot where I put them. And I would say, where did Jill go? Where's Jamie? And I'd walk around. And, and then all of a sudden, I'd, uh, after a few minutes of this, probably five minutes, I'd come in front of the mirror, and I'd look up, and I'd go, oh, there you are. And they'd go, Dad. And then I'd run upstairs and throw them on the bed and tickle them. And then uh, we would, I would tell them a story like my grandma used to tell us about when they turned 16, you know, someday and, and all that stuff. And then maybe they could have a, a boy that is a friend to bring home for hot chocolate. And they would tell me, tell that story again, Dad. Tell that story again. And then, and then I'd pray with them and tuck them in. Now, uh, if you ask my girls today, they would tell you that family time with our family was one of their best times, as well as with their cousins who lived in front of us and we had just the best times growing up. Okay, back to the prodigal son story. Now, I don't know what this dad did in this story, but Junior went awry. He headed out the door with his inheritance, which means he had a lot of money. Now, Junior got himself in trouble, which is usually the case, when you think you are smarter than you really are. That, that's how uh, he became known as the prodigal son, because the word on your notes... The definition of prodigal means wasteful, recklessly extravagant living. You can also put immoral living, partying, wild party type living. So he begins to live an immoral life. He has lots of friends because he has lots of money. And uh, everyone has friends when they have lots of money and you're willing to pay for all the stuff, all the parties. But when the money is gone, he has no more friends. He, in fact... He couldn't find a job except for one. The only job he could find was with a guy who was a pig farmer, which for a Jewish boy was not the best occupation, all right? But he was in such a bad place and so hungry uh, when, the, when he was giving the barren uh, corn uh, husks to the, to the pigs, they started looking good to him to eat as well. Now look at verse 17. This is what it says. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. So here's the second word I'd like us to write down today. It's the word authority. Now, 
First, it's attention, and then it's authority. If you don't give attention, don't try authority. You'll, you'll blow it. A mistake a lot of parents make is that they want to be authoritative, but they don't want to spend any time with their kids. That doesn't work. So here's a key. You have to put uh, in the attention in order to have the authority. Okay? This is key. Now, the authority stage kicked in when the father didn't rescue the son from the consequences of his behavior. This point is extremely important because parents don't understand discipline today. We threw it out the window way back in the 60s with a guy named Dr. Spock. How many remember Dr. Spock? Okay, only those of us who are older. But he, he brought up this, this point that you don't discipline kids. They don't need discipline. They should be able to do whatever they want. Now, I, I just want you to know, I don't understand how a two-year-old kid can fall on the floor in the middle of a supermarket, throw a fit, act like they can't breathe, and the parents go berserk or they just go paralyzed. I just want you to know, your kid will breathe again. Trust me. If our kids did that, we didn't pay any attention. We just kept on going. Uh, our lowest would do this. If our kids started acting up in a grocery store, she would leave all the groceries in the car, take the kid out, and go to the car and do some discipline. All right, you guys. I know it's not popular today, but I'm telling you, it's needed today. I've seen restaurants and grocery stores totally captivated by little kids who are putting on a stark, raving, mad show, and the parents just sit there or stand there paralyzed. Now, guess what? The kid weighs 30 pounds. You weigh at least 120 to 200 pounds, probably, and that means you're anywhere from four times to six times heavier than the kid. You can win this battle. <laughs> now, here's the issue with the father of the prodigal son. He was wise enough to know he needed to let the son go to the full extent of the consequences. Now, I know as parents, you love your kids, and maybe you had a bad background growing up, and this happens a lot. If you had a bad background going up, growing up, and a parent hurt you, and you said something like, my kids are never going to feel the pain I did growing up. So, little Johnny or Susie are at school, and the school call, calls up about your little Johnny or Susie, and you run down to the school and get in there with the vice principal or principal, and your neck veins are bulging at the seams, and, and they're ready to blow up and pop, and you're angry at the teacher or the coach or the pastor or the children's pastor or the youth pastor because little Johnny or Susie couldn't possibly do anything wrong. Well, you need to know something. More often than not, little Johnny or Susie is doing something wrong. Come on. You weren't a saint when you were growing up. What makes you think your kid's a saint? And a lot, the truth is, a lot of parents do know that their kid's not a saint and that their kid is doing something wrong, and yet they still try to shield, try to shield their kids from the consequences through their anger by talking it out or, or by, by taking it out on someone else. Now, you need to know you shouldn't do that. You need to know that 
the child needs to experience the full consequences of their behavior because there's only one thing that changes character. Are you ready? Write this down. Pain changes character. Pain changes character. I'm not talking about physical pain. I'm talking, I can't be part of it, but emotional pain, it, it, it changes character. And I know people get all weird about discipline, like I said, but there have been some who, and I know there's been some who have abused discipline. But I want you to know, you have to determine what discipline looks like with your child. Some children do need a little swat on the rear end. And, and, and some children may need a big swat on the rear end. Just, just so you know, listen. King, it tells us in Hebrews that, that God disciplines those he loves. If you don't discipline your child, that, that means you don't love them, all right? So King David uh, was a great king, but he was a lousy father. In 2 Kings 1, it tells us one of his sons were out of control, but David never confronted him and never asked him the question, what are you doing? By the way, that's a great question for your child if, it's, uh, if your child's out of control. What are you doing? Do you realize that what you're doing is going to cause some consequences in your life? And any parent, when their kid is out of control, has a responsibility to, to ask their child, what do you think you are doing? Now, that question causes them to run uh, to, into authority. They're going to run into accountability. And that is like God. You know, God had kids, and their names were Adam and Eve. And what did God do with his kids? Did he just let them run around and do anything they wanted? No. He told them, tend to the garden. And then he, he said, you can eat from any of these trees you want. But I'm just going to put one tree in the middle of the garden called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And I'm going to put a boundary around this tree. You can eat from everything else, but not this one. So write this down. In the day, he said, in the day you eat of it, you will surely die. Write this down. Boundaries and consequences. There's a great book by Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend, and they say if you will tell a child what their boundaries are and then tell them clearly what the consequences are, and if they fail to keep those boundaries you're, you, and you're consistent, consistent at following through, then your child will learn to understand authority. It's so important. Listen, without authority, we are in a chaotic world. That's why we have government. That's why we have uh, uh, civil authority. That's why we have consequences. That's why we have prisons today, because there's consequences for choices. And by the way, if you don't teach your children by boundaries and consequences and be consistent, they will never be able to hold a job consistently. Because there's always somebody has more, who has more authority than you do. So important to get this in your life. Now, uh, I don't have time to go into more except for this. Let me just tell you what Jamie did. Jamie understood authority. And as she prayed, on the third day, she came to us and said this. Mom and Dad, I've been praying about this like you told me to do. And I've decided I'm going to come under your authority because I love God and I want to do what's right. 
And I'm going to give up this relationship. And I'm going to believe God is going to use you to help me find the right guy. And I just, we all wept, we cried, we hugged. It was a wonderful day in the cotton house for us. Not for Jamie so much, but for us. And then after that, just so you know, Jamie went off to college. Now, when you go off to college, dad and mom are no longer there. By the way, your responsibility as a parent is to raise your kids so that when you're no longer there, they'll choose to do the right thing. So she called me. said, Dad, I, I, I got this guy. He's after me, and I think, he, I think he might be the one. Those were her exact words. So I said, oh, okay, tell me about him a little bit. She said, Dad, he's so polite. He's, he's just, he treats me really well. I said, well, have him call me. So he called me. And this, these were his exact words. Mr. Cotton, I just think the world of your daughter. And I would love if you would give me permission to date her. His name was, his name was Nate. And I'll never forget this. So, uh, so Nate, I said, well, Nate, let, let, let me just think about this for a little bit. And then I, I told Jamie, I said, Jamie, let's just pray and make sure. I said, this guy is saying all the right things, but he seems almost too good to be true. So a few days later, I'm talking to this pastor from California. And Lois and I have been praying. And I tell this guy about my daughter. He always asks me about our kids. I told him about my daughter. And I said, uh, she, she's um, interested in this guy named Nate. And then he asked me the last name. I told him the last name. He goes, I know that guy. Now, you got to remember, my daughter's in Colorado. This guy's in California. I said, you know this guy? He goes, yeah. Yeah, he's been in trouble with the law. I shot, shot a guy. I, I said, what? <laughs> he told me all this stuff. He said, yeah, he's been in. I, I, I said, oh, my goodness. He said, get your daughter as far away from that guy as possible. I called Jamie. And I could just, Dad. If, you're, if there's something wrong with somebody, you're always going to find out. I said, did you know? No. I said, he's Nate the snake. Nate the, I called him Nate the snake bait. That's what I called him. I said, he's a snake. Don't get around. So we broke that off. <laughs> Eventually, Dave came into her life. He wasn't the one I would have chosen. But after I got to know him, he was perfect. He's the perfect guy. All right, you can write down this last one. Affection and affirmation. Affection and affirmation. This is what happens in Luke 15, 20 through 22. And he arose and came to his father because he came to his senses. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. And before he could finish saying, I'm, oh, I want to be a servant, his father says something that he wants to say to all of his kids today. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put on a, a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And then it says, bring the fatted calf, kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine who was dead, he was alive again. He was lost 
and it's found. So they began to celebrate. Isn't that awesome? So I, I just, let's all stand right now. You need to know this morning, because I want to talk about you, because we're all kids. Maybe you can relate to this, this son who wanted to do his own thing, run off and just be who he was. But you need to know this. God the Father pays attention to you. He sees you. He loves you. And, and, and he wants you to know that you're so important to him that every head on your every hair on your head is numbered. And he even knows the ones you've lost. Secondly, you need to know this. He allows you to go through difficult consequences so your character can be changed. That's what good fathers do. And then number three, this is another thing I love about our Heavenly Father. When you blow it, He's saying, I promise, and He's saying this, I'll be there. If you'll just turn towards me, come home, repent, and make things right, I'll be there for you. I'll run towards you. I'll put my arms around you. I'll hug you and I'll kiss you. Put a robe of righteousness all over your life. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you this morning and you know you need to get right with God, you've been away from the Lord, maybe you're a prodigal, you knew the Father at one time, but you ran away, or maybe you've never given your life to the Lord, but he's saying today's your day. It's time to come home. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand right now. Say, that's me. Raise them high. Don't, don't be afraid. Don't worry about what anybody else is thinking. Thank you. I see that one. One, two, three. Any more? Thanks. And raise them high. Thank you. Four. Okay. Here's what we do here. You can put them down. The Father sees you. And here's, here's what we do. We pray this prayer together. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me so much that you gave your son, Jesus, to die in my place. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of all my sins, all my mistakes, all my failures. Come into my life and be my Savior, my Lord, my boss, my friend, and my King. And by your grace and by your power, I will serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Come on. Okay, prayer team, come on up. I know I'm a little, just a couple minutes late, but let's sing this song, Waymaker, because he's making a way for you this morning. Anything you need, come up and get prayer for it as we worship. You are Waymaker, miracle worker, Promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are.